0: Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while creating wealth for the long term. And now, here's your host, Marco Santarelli. Hello and welcome to another episode of Passive Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Marco Santarelli, and welcome to another Market Spotlight. I haven't done one of these in a while. But I've been asked by multiple people to do Kansas City, Missouri. Once again, I've done it a number of times over the last eight years, if you can believe that. This month is our eight-year anniversary of this show, and it doesn't even feel like it. It feels like three years. (laughs) But anyway, it's been a while. It's been a good ride. Before I jump into the Midwest, just remember to subscribe to the show. It takes you three seconds. Just click the button on whatever you're watching or listening on, and that way you can be updated each and every week as we release a new episode. You know the midwest is one of the most affordable places to live and invest in in the country and kansas city is kind of the heart of that region i am a avid investor in the kansas city missouri metro area i have a good portfolio there and it's just done very very well for me so you know kansas city being a large prosperous self-sufficient culturally rich area makes it a great place to consider as one of your investment options So with that, I wanted to bring on one of our well-trusted property providers in the Kansas City metro area and talk about the market, a little bit about the neighborhoods, the properties that they are focused on and what they are renovating into investment grade rental property. And our clients have been very, very happy with the product that is coming out of the Kansas City market. So with that, I would like to bring on Tam to the show. Tam, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Marka. I appreciate it. Excited to be here with you guys today.
0: Well, I'm happy you are joining me because it is that time again to do a market spotlight. And you know, Kansas City has been literally a perennial market for us. I have to say, we've probably been offering property in Kansas City for 15 years, if not more. It's really been that long. Clearly, that says a lot about the market. So why don't we just start off with you telling You know, me and the audience, anything you want about the market and Kansas City, and why in the heck should I even look at Kansas City?
1: All right. Well, I love to brag about our town. I feel like we're a big city with small town vibes. I think that encapsulates this area of the world and the people really nicely. So, walk around on Fridays out here in Kansas City, and you're going to see everyone in red. It's chief red, (laughs) everyone wear red. Obviously, Super Bowl champs this year. Very proud of that. But just a lot of hometown spirit so whether it's the chiefs you're a baseball fan we have the royals here we have major league soccer as well as barbecue we have the speed races out here uh, my personal favorite the art museums out here and some of the live music and jazz so just a really down-to-earth people with a lot here to do for everyone. We have more than 10 million visitors a year just now to downtown Kansas City that brings in. So we're somewhere that, you know, people think of us as a flyover city, but really we're also a destination, just not one that probably springs to mind when you think of spring break necessarily. But just a great little town, very salt-of-the-earth people. And the market you talked about, you know, we've been around for a long time it's what I like to call a very steady eddy market. So we have nice appreciation year over year. You have for an investor property, so not retail, because we have pockets that are gonna see more than this, but for our standard investor property, you're gonna see somewhere between eight to 10 to 9%. That's about where you're gonna land year over year. So it's not sexy. You don't see double digit appreciation growth here, again, in your investor properties but you see nice growth year over year it means we don't have that roller coaster that you sometimes see in the other market so really nice capital preservation when you invest in this market
0: yeah you've made a lot of really good points the first thing that jumped out at me is like if you're you know averaging at this time 8 to 9% per year that is very healthy you know it's it's above what you would call an average or even a historic norm that can lead to fast wealth accumulation because if you're averaging eight to nine percent per year, each and every year, or at least almost every each and every year, over a period of time, that compounds very quickly. And you know, if you look at where inflation is at, I mean, it, it's certainly been high over the last two three years. But historically speaking, with inflation being, you know, averaging about three point six percent, if you're doing eight percent just in equity growth, like appreciation alone you're outpacing by more than twice the rate of inflation and you're gaining wealth very rapidly. So that is very healthy. You know, no one has a crystal ball. We can't predict if that's going to continue consistently year after year. But if you're above 6%, you're doing very, very well. So that's nice to hear.
1: Yeah, I think it's really nice. And we don't tend to see those big dips, right? To your point, you're not always going to get that every year but we don't see the same drops that you see in other markets. And we're seeing the same rent increases as well. So increasing rent five to 10% a year, we're actually as a city averaging over 10% a year. That's not necessarily what we will do for our renters because as an investor, obviously we want to keep people in the property, but a 5% Mm -hmm. bump every year, year over year, people aren't moving out. We're still seeing below a market, even at a 5% increase and, we're not seeing any pushback from our tenants keeping them in there.
0: Yeah, and that's pretty consistent with what I've been seeing with my properties. There is each and every year there's there's a you know four five six percent bump, and most of the time they stay. Uh, they don't really move because they're going to find the same thing elsewhere. In fact, they probably will see even a higher rent increase if they move and are a new fresh tenant in a new property. Then if they just stayed, and I'm giving them, you know, a bit of a break because they are they're already there as an attendant. And plus they don't have to spend the time and money to pack up, move, unpack, and you know, settle in in another place. So worked out quite well, actually. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know. I've moved more often than I would like, so I'm I'm a big fan of I, I want to stay. I'm out moving every year is not a fun thing.
0: Not fun at all. <laughs> no.
1: So in addition to the appreciation, we have a really low tax rate here. That's something that obviously also figures into the overall profitability. It's not uncommon for our properties to have taxes between four to 900 a year. So really low depending on the price point you're coming in. Also taxes are not automatically re-triggered for assessment at sale. My own personal house I built on an empty lot and it was three years before they said, "Oh, hey." wait, you have a brand new house standing here. Maybe we should change your property taxes. So that's a nice benefit. Again, they can come reassess it at any point in time, but I personally own several properties here in the town and I've not seen a tax change in 10 years.
0: So you're saying that a sale or transfer of a property doesn't automatically trigger a reassessment by the city on the property taxes?
1: Correct, it can but it doesn't happen. And I have my own personal portfolio to go off along with my owners that I don't know. I don't know what method they use. It feels like a lottery system. Like I said, three years before I got taxed on my own that I built on an empty lot.
0: Yeah, that's good to hear because I just read a few emails over the last couple of months from investors that had purchased properties in other markets, other states, And uh, it did trigger a property tax reassessment. And it was a considerable jump because it hadn't been assessed or reassessed for a long time, many, many years. And, you know, their purchase was at fair market value or maybe slightly below. So there was nothing, you know, out of the ordinary in terms of purchase price and, and the rents that were going on but you know their expectation was that their monthly cash flow was going to be higher than what it ultimately ended up being because the property taxes were reassessed and they jumped up so much that they ended up taking away about $300 plus per month of what would have been bottom line spendable cash flow but that you know that's not unusual it's normal in many markets it happens you have to kind of anticipate that it will happen if it doesn't, great. But ultimately it will catch up with you and it will happen. That's great that it's not happening in Kansas City, Missouri because then you don't get this you know, nasty surprise. But still, you gotta expect that it will happen at some point in time, at least budget for it.
1: Right, it's gonna happen. Hopefully you get a capture several years at that lower rate, you know, before the tax man kind of catches up with you. So just an yeah. But the overall cost of living really low we're in the top 100 places to live in the country. And we had the fourth lowest cost of living in 2023 in the first quarter. So really high demand. We have a lot of growth, major employers here. So we have Fortune 500 companies. So we have Google Fiber, Amazon, Hallmark has their corporate headquarters here. We also have companies like H&R Block, a lot of medical here too. So we have like local for us is St. Luke's and Truman Medical. And then we have Cerner. Another major medical software provider has a lot of campuses here. So just really great job growth that's bringing a lot of young talent, a lot of tech talent, which continues to help you as an owner that you have a variety of different workers, whether you have kind of a mid-level IT or someone in the nursing profession, along with dual income earners in some of our higher end properties.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I think those are important factors because I like a large employment base and I like diversification across different industries in a particular market because economically speaking that provides for stability it smooths out any kind of you know recessions or interruptions you know increases in mortgage rates all that kind of stuff because you need jobs you need employment to keep people there or to draw people in and that provides that support or demand in the housing market. And so if you don't have that, prices drop, rents drop, and you have essentially a downturn in real estate. But you know, that doesn't happen in diverse markets like like Kansas City. You know, another interesting thing that I remember about Kansas City when I was looking at it a long, long time ago is that it is a logistical hub. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you have a lot of railway tracks coming in from all over the country into Kansas City. Is that not the case?
1: Yeah, it absolutely is. So, I mean, we are just shy of being the exact center of the U.S. Topeka, Kansas is officially uh, the center. But yeah, so we have uh, the Mississippi that runs right down and then the Kansas City River, which actually divides Kansas City. Most of Kansas City is on the Missouri side. But that railway hub and the river traffic has made this a central hub for, I would say, over 100 years. So you still have all those that travel through here, as well as the airlines. We just have a brand new airport that was just finished up this year. So we continue to see that hub grow with as we've moved technology.
0: Interesting. So aside from all the rails, you guys are also known as the city of fountains. (laughs) has nothing to do with real estate, but you have (laughs) a lot of fountains in the city.
1: We do. I love the plaza. So we have the second most fountains in the world. Uh, Madrid just beats us out. But here in town, we have what's called the plaza. Uh, Shopping, really high-end food that you can walk around, see a lot of those fountains. I love going down there every year at Christmas time. They really kind of deck out the area. So my kids and I will go down for that a lot of years over Christmas or on Thanksgiving, It's when they flip on the lights. It's it's a fun sight to see.
0: Very cool, yeah. If you haven't been to Kansas City, it's definitely worth going down and taking a visit and exploring it, especially at the right time of year. So cool. Well, I love Kansas City for many reasons. I've been there many, many times and it's always a fun trip. It's definitely worth visiting. So as a provider, what kind of neighborhoods are you guys focused on? You know, I I obviously have a range. Most people loosely grade neighborhoods from, you know, A, A plus all the way down to, you know, your Ds and war zones. But for myself, I've liked to focus on B, B plus and even A minus type neighborhoods just based on the demographics and types of establishments or amenities that are in the area. I just find that those fit best for me. It gives me the g- greatest bang for the buck. I have the highest rent to price ratios there. So I get you know the better returns on the front end, cash on cash. But it also provides stability and growth as that market matures. And as time goes on, it gives me more appreciation. So that's where I like to focus. We have clients that like to focus on C-class neighborhoods because they want the higher cash on cash returns. We have investors that focus on A-class neighborhoods because they want stronger appreciation potential and they give up on the cash flow, they give up on that cash on cash return. So they have low cash flows or maybe, you know, break even cash flows. So investors are all over the place, but what do you guys focus on primarily in terms of neighborhoods?
1: So our target is the B neighborhoods. Um, A solid B is what we're going to primarily go after. Obviously, we're going to have some that are going to go you know, down to the B minus, up to the A minus. Frankly, I rarely say think we get anything over an A minus. It just doesn't make sense. And we have a lot of competition in that A market for our retail investors mm-hmm. or retail buyers here. So the solid B. So we have Raytown, Independence, pockets of Kansas City. We don't buy everywhere in the metro area because you're going to fall into that C and D neighborhood in some of the areas. But most of our investors are looking for a product. Usually we find people come to Kansas City, they want between about that 150 to 190,000. So that's usually kind of that sweet spot that I call my solid B neighborhoods. So you're in a three bedroom, one bath up to a four bedroom, two bath. We'll pick up some of those A minuses because to your point, we have investors that will come and ask for those. And those houses usually are ones that you have a very easy exit strategy to sell retail down the road. So, it'll still do a decent cash flow, but to your point, you're giving up a little bit in those A neighborhoods. But I continue to get a lot of demand for in Kansas City that would probably be like a Gladstone, Grandview. Those are on opposite ends of the city, but those are the two different pockets when people ask for an A neighborhood. Those are typically where we have some of our investor properties.
0: Yeah, very cool. I almost don't want to ask you this question because it can be a little touchy for some people, but we're talking about, you know, facts, not opinions when it comes to demographics. But when you look at the, the B-class neighborhoods you're focused on, particularly B and B+, which is my favorite, how would you describe the demographics of those areas? Just touch on them, you know, just to give people an idea of what the tenant clientele is, because it's your customer. But what is the tenant clientele in those areas?
1: So our tenants there, a lot of the medical community, and you're not necessarily doing the doctor and the RNs in there, but you have kind of the nurses, your staff there, janitorial. We also have a lot of blue collar that are going to be in those and kind of your mid-level and below IT staff. So again, we have like the Cerner, the Google, the Amazon that have a lot of growth and employ a large number. So that's usually what we see in there. And you're usually going to be a family setup or a family type dynamic. So you're usually going to have one or two primary income earners with a couple of kids is most common in that B demographic.
0: Okay, well, that's pretty much in line with what I like. To focus on. I often refer to the demographic as as a middle income family that rents those types of homes. And, you know, it can lean either way. It could be, you know, a little bit more towards the lower middle income and sometimes the upper middle income. But, you know, that's kind of the range that I've been focusing on in Kansas City. In terms of properties, what kind of properties are you finding there and renovating? What is your sweet spot Kind of describe a typical property in the neighborhoods that you're operating in right now, because I think that is going to resonate with a lot of people.
1: So a 3-1 to a 4-2, those are the properties we pick up most often. We are usually picking them up. They're usually distressed. So we're going in and doing a very full rehab. We really focus on the bones of the property. We want to make sure that the property you pick up is solid from the ground up. So we're gonna go in, we're hitting the plumbing and electrical, we're gonna look at your mechanical. So your hot water heater, your furnace and AC, those are either gonna be new or newer. We probably put new roofs on probably better than 60% of our houses. Again, making sure that you have a really solid. And then we do all the pretty things. So we do granite countertops in the kitchen. We're gonna do tile in your kitchen and bathroom, including the surround. So down the road, A, that not only draws in your tenant and makes the property more attractive because they walk in, we have a backsplash in the kitchen. They're excited about living there, but it also gives your investor another option down the road. You can always resell it to another investor, or you already have the fixtures and finishes that you would expect in a retail house if you decide you want to go a different direction five or 10 years down the road. And it helps with your turn cost. We're doing the right things. We have some of these great older homes. You have these incredible stone foundations, great, gorgeous hardwood finishes throughout, which means we also, on a regular basis, get to refinish hardwood floors. Where we can't, we're gonna try and put in hard surface flooring because that's gonna last better for you. But on a regular basis, we have gorgeous hardwood floors that we get refinished in these old houses. They're fantastic.
0: That's cool. What are your thoughts and feelings about carpet, having carpet, replacing carpet? I know we just touched upon this for seconds before we started recording here.
1: Um, The only place I'll keep carpet is in a bedroom. So if for some reason, so we have tenants who will actually ask for carpet, but it's not my preferred. Anywhere we can, I'm going to refinish that hardwood floor or put in that LVP. But there Mm. are some of the houses that in a bedroom carpet makes more sense.
0: Yeah. Kind of a similar question when it comes to like granite countertops and whatnot. They're very pretty, sexy for some people and certainly attractive. I've heard pros and cons about it. What are your thoughts and feelings on it? Is it worth having? Is there damage that, you know, happens down the road? Does it actually generate a little more in terms of rent or is it just an attraction feature that draws in more tenants or prospective tenants, I guess?
1: So we absolutely see it helps on your appraisal value. You're going to get some extra on your appraisal value. Um, from a long-term perspective, it helps keep your turn costs down. And I don't know that we get more in rent, but they rent faster. Um, so we've, over time, you know, switched it up to kind of see the tenants prefer the granite. And I think part of that is people want to rent a house they would like to see themselves buying. And so when you give them those same fixtures and finishes that they would have in a retail house, if they were to buy, it makes them stay and it makes them want to not move out in a couple of years. Cause when they go look at the competition, you know, so let's say we're going to increase the rent 10% down the road. They start looking around and go, there's nothing better than the house I'm already in. Why would I want to move when I already have all of the features I would want in a house?
0: So it helps attract them and helps keep them down the road. Absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. So kind of one last question about that. The uh, You mentioned the roof, like when it comes to the mechanicals, which I just referred to as the hot water tank, the you know AC system, the heating system and, and the roof, do you look for a minimum lifespan in those mechanical items before replacing them? Or do you have a, a policy or guideline that you use?
1: Yeah, so on the mechanicals, the hot water furnace, those are going to be new or newer. So they need to be less than five years if we're going to keep something that's existing. On the roof, we're looking for something that the roof probably needs to be five to 10 years or younger for us to keep it. But we're also really evaluating the condition on that roof. I want to make sure that you still have another 10, 15, 20 years left on your roof. Otherwise, we want to make sure we come take care of it now. Because the other thing that that causes problems when you cut corners during the rehab, whether that's on the roof or the mechanicals, the plumbing, the electrical, it's something that's going to pop up later as an issue for the owner and for the tenant. And frankly, I'm still the same one that's going to deal with that. I still deal with my owners after we close. I take that responsibility very seriously. So I want to take care of it up front rather than inconvenience your tenant a year or two down the road because something breaks. It doesn't mean that something's not going to go wrong. It's real estate, but we do everything reasonable that we can during the rehab to make sure it's a solid investment for years to come.
0: Right. So you touched on this before, this is kind of a general high level question, but what are the price ranges of the properties in the different areas and neighborhoods that you're focused on? And part B of that question is, what are the related rents to those same property values or prices of those properties?
1: So the properties are going to run from about 150,000 up to about 190,000 are going to be our B. Over 200,000 you're going to move into that A range. And so in the standard investor property, you're probably going to be, to be between about 1300 to 1700 for kind of that standard B property. In the A properties, you're going to be moving over $2,000 a month for your rent. We're not going to be at that 1% rule. I know everyone still loves it and wants to be there. We're not quite there in the market, but I think we're relatively close. I'd say probably 0.885 is probably where you're really at.
0: Yeah. You you took the words right out of my mouth and that's actually going to be the next point I was going to make is I wanted to point out that 0.1, that 1% rule is pretty hard to find today in most markets around the country you really have to go to smaller markets tertiary markets or downgrade your neighborhood criteria in order to achieve that and that's not necessarily the right decision or the best decision right but you know i was just doing the math in my head when you first mentioned the price or the rent range and i knew right away that it's 0.8 seems like 0.8 percent as a rent to price ratio is kind of the new normal in most like keeping everything else the same or consistent like if you're looking at b solid b class neighborhoods it what used to be a one percent rent to price ratio is now a 8.8 and that seems to be the norm but fortunately for a market like kansas city you know with rents or not rents property taxes being relatively speaking low your cash flows are still pretty good. Your cash on cash returns are still pretty good. And even, let's take that a step further, even today with mortgage rates being higher than what we've been accustomed to <laughs> for many, many years, let's just call them artificially low mortgage rates. Okay. I mean, even if you're getting mortgages in the 6% plus or minus range today, the numbers still pan out. Like the numbers still work. And I think it's important that investors don't lose sight of the big picture, which is, Real estate is a great preservation of capital and a preservation of wealth. It is a good wealth builder over time because of the equity growth. So if you're focusing on the big picture, that's what you want to stay focused on. Focusing on the immediate cash flow, what you have today, this year, and maybe next year is being... In my opinion uh somewhat myopic you're focused on something that you will have lots of in the future but you don't necessarily need lots of today because you want to build your portfolio deep and wide and focus on that equity growth and build the cash flows year after year as you build your portfolio and pay down the mortgages if that's the strategy of course there's you know different strategies there so any comments or thoughts about that
1: no, I, I would just, I mean, I agree fully that this market is really well set up to not only, you know, grow your portfolio, but really help preserve that at capital growth. I have a lot of investors who have come to me that are, you know, in kind of our coastal markets where they're just priced out. Frankly, you, you yeah. really even have first time home buyers there. My daughter actually is buying her first property here in Kansas City and doesn't live here. For that, she can't buy in the market that she lives in, like out of the, range of possibility for her so this is where she's going to buy her first home and never live in it because that's what we have here i also have a lot of clients who are using 1031 exchanges coming so that they can get multiple properties and get kind of more bang for their buck with that and even using those the 401k which i know isn't something a lot of investors are doing um, but the ones that are again a really great way to continue to grow your wealth and that generational wealth so you have it to pass on to your kids.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. Is there anything else that we should talk about related to the properties, the renovations, the prices and rents that I haven't brought up?
1: No, I think we've hit on most of those that, you know, we really try and go the extra mile in our rehab to make sure that we've taken care of those bones and addressed all the pretty things that, help your appraisal value, help get your tenants in there. But the bones are what I focus on the most when we're going through these rehabs because I want a property for myself personally that's gonna continue to be a long-term stable investment. So that's what I'm gonna do for my investor.
0: Are you guys finding enough inventory at this point in time? I know that inventory was a big problem a few years ago.
1: Yeah, we continue to see really nice. We have that, the upper end A market is still a very, a lot of competition with our retail buyers. But the b market we continue to see really good inventory we're picky about what we um, are going to bring forward because we want to make sure that the numbers work for our investors but we have at any given time probably 30 to 40 houses that are in process or wrapping up
0: okay wow that's great okay good so you have inventory for our clients that's good to know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. let's wrap things up with a you know, quick conversation about property management. You guys have brought property management in-house over a period of time because you were just getting, maybe not complaints from investors, but just things that were askew or missing with other management companies. So you brought it in, maybe briefly describe the property management service you guys provide and maybe what, you know, what terms those fall under.
1: Okay. So we like to say that we're investors managing for investors. We literally started the property management for some of our own personal properties. And for houses that we had sold in the past that to your point, the investors were not happy for whatever the reason might be with it. One of the big areas that I think sets us apart from property management is we're able to utilize our same crews and vendors and specialists, the plumbers and electricians that are doing our rehabs on the front end. So when something happens later on on a property, We still have them available. In fact, they're probably at one of our other jobs. And so I can pull them off and get them over. And we take care of our vendors. We use the same ones over and over. So I'm able to get someone did this weekend. I was able to call my plumber Saturday night at nine o'clock when something happened at a property. Because we do enough business and volume with him, I'm not getting charged a night and weekend rate. He's still gonna give me a good rate for my owner and go out and help take care of a problem. So we pass that along and it's that relationship that we've developed for the past 15 and 20 years with those guys that allow us to pass that on to our owners. And then I would say that we handle it as, I don't know, kind of that Midwest vibe. So I'm going to be very straightforward with you. I'm going to tell you when something, whether it's good or bad on your property, I'm going to talk to you and then I'm going to talk to you about a solution. I'm not going to try and sugarcoat it because not everything is going to go perfectly. So... I'm gonna have a, a real conversation with you and then help you focus on what can we do to get right that ship again and get things moving forward.
0: Okay, great. Kind of a off the wall question in a way, turnover times are really dependent on neighborhoods, quality of the property, the condition of the property and all that kind of stuff. But. Generally speaking, what are you finding these days in terms of turnover times? Uh, are you finding properties are turning over quickly, meaning that once it's vacated and cleaned or turned over, it's reoccupied fairly quickly?
1: Yeah, I'd say we're within about 30 to 45 days for what I'll call an average turn. So if this isn't one that we have to go in and do a, you know, a massive rehab because your last tenant left it in really bad shape, If it's the average property we're gonna go in, we usually can knock that out within a week and then start advertising and getting them in there. Also, as part of our process, we regularly go in and inspect the property. If you have a tenant that doesn't wanna stay, we're actually, um, I will go in and talk to the tenant about showing the house while they're still in it, if they happen to be a clean tenant. We'll give them a little bit of discount off of their last month rent that helps them move into their new property. It allows us to kind of come and go And then it helps shrink that time for the investor that you can get someone in there a lot faster because you actually showed the house while it was still occupied and then you can get someone in there even faster.
0: Great. Anything else on the management side that you want to share that I haven't asked you?
1: Um, I think it's probably the standard things. You know, we go through all the tenant um, background and screening, so they need to make three times the rent to income. We do a background criminal eviction, all of that. The credit score is never gonna be amazing. I let people know part of what I'm gonna look for when I'm looking at whether we want a tenant to come in, do they pay their car payment and do they pay their phone bill on time? If those two look good, you know what? I don't really care that they don't pay their JCPenney card. That doesn't really matter to me, sorry, I don't care. But if you're paying for your car and you're paying for your phone, that means you have a way to get to work. So you have a way that you care about coming in here. And I think that's a really good indicator for how they're going to um, take care of their rent.
0: Cool. Well, any final comments for someone thinking about picking a market or even considering Kansas City, what would you say in terms of the market or the opportunity there?
1: I think they're gonna love that you have a steady investment that's gonna grow over time. And it's gonna be one that you can pass on to your kids, be proud to own and just enjoy working with the team. You're just gonna come visit us and see what Kansas City's so great for.
0: Very cool. Right on, Tam. Well, thank you for taking the time today. I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely, thanks for having me, Marco.
0: Thank you. And for those listening, if you are interested in more information about Kansas City and wanna see the property options and investment opportunities that are available there, contact your investment counselor. And if you don't have one assigned to you yet just reach out to us go to our website at noradarealestate.com and just fill out the form takes you like one minute and we will get you in contact with one of our investment counselors who can educate you further about what you heard about today and show you some property options and put you in touch with tam and her team and everything else that goes along with that so i appreciate you listening today remember to subscribe share the show with your friends and family and other like-minded individuals And that is it for today. We will see you all on our next episode.
1: Are you looking for a roadmap to financial freedom? If so, we have a solution for you. Narada Real Estate is offering a limited number of free strategy sessions to help you get out of the rat race. Learn how you can create wealth and build monthly passive income. To set up a time with one of our knowledgeable investment counselors, simply go to naradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com. Nothing on this show should be considered specific personal or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate legal, tax, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. For distribution or publication rights and media interviews, please contact the host.